So I started doing martial arts as an adult at Lions Martial Arts in Woodridge. And every Wednesday night we had this judo class and Lions was probably like a, a Taekwondo, Hapkido, kickboxing place. But every Wednesday night we got this new gi, which I had never used before. It was, just, it was thicker, it was heavier, and we would throw each other around. And I thought, oh, this is, this is really cool. Like, I, I like this, pushing, pulling, trying to imbalance somebody. And judo was a little bit different for me because like in team sports, coming from a team sport background, in football, I'm on offense, I'm trying to score. If you're on defense, you're trying to stop me. Baseball, I'm trying to get a hit, you're trying to get me out. We have different goals. But in judo, we're both trying to do the exact same thing to each other. And whoever does it better wins. And you know, not that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a figure pointing guy, but if there's an error on someone, you can be like, oh dude, you should have made that last play. But if you lose on the mat, it's your fault. So I really liked judo when my, my baseball career ended. I thought, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna branch off and, and learn this specifically. And I had some, some I guess, teammates or training partners, even Master Kim and Master Yoon, like, oh, Doug Tono, Tokan Judo Academy in Uptown, you, you, you gotta go check it out. So, this is, you probably don't remember this. So one of my first days, I go up to, to Tokan, it was August, it was super hot, it was like a thousand degrees in there. And I was just watching, I, I had not even started yet. And the mat is full of people. There are sweat spots, there's bodies hit the ground. It was like, almost like a, like a fight club there. I'm like, holy shit, like this, is, this place is legit, right? Men, women, big, little, it was crazy. Like 40 black belts on the mat at once. I thought, oh, this little this place is like a cool spot. So right after the was August break, and we come back after Labor Day, and you're teaching one of the first classes. And I think you were showing Casey Katame, and I'm, I go, which is a, a pin, and I go 6'2", probably 210 pounds, and you are... 5'6", 150 pounds. Right. <laughs> so there I am on my back, and Doug is teaching the class and using me as a, as a, um, a training partner, and he put his weight on me, and <laughs> I thought, oh my God, I can't breathe, and I can't move. And I thought, how is this little man, <laughs> older man, holding me down with such ease? Right, and you, you know, part of the, the drill is like, hold down, you try to get up, try to escape, and pin, and I thought, I am sweating and fighting with all my might here. This guy is, can be reading the Sunday paper. <laughs> I'm working super hard, he's not working at all, and I can't get up. If someone said, Brian, your life depends on it, get up. I could not. And I thought, wow, this, this Sensei Doug Tono, this red belt, the red belt, right away, oh, yeah. <laughs> would you say you don't like to work because it makes you feel old, but I, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy accomplishment. Wait, what's red? So there's black belt. There's, yeah. there's five levels of black belt, first one through five. And six through eight is red and white. So you get like eight inches of red, eight inches of white all the way around. Oh. Once you get the ninth and tenth degree, it's solid red. So I'm a seventh degree black belt. So he could basically destroy you. <laughs> he has. That, that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so as I'm trying to get up off the ground, and I'm looking up at Doug, and I, I really can't move. And he was super cool about it. Like, come on, he's like, come on, get up. I'm like, I can't, I can't move, I can't breathe. <laughs> like, why? I'm looking around, I'm like, is anybody else struggling with this? Because my partner here, like, I, I can't move. So from, a, from a, a confidence perspective, I thought, wow, like this is, this is really a humbling experience because number one, I'm bigger, but it doesn't matter. Number two, I'm younger, which doesn't matter. And so my two advantages that I thought I may have had <laughs> with you were 100% nullified in the first two seconds of feeling your weight on me. Thank you for that. <laughs> so Doug, he's been a, a teacher to me for a long time. He's been an excellent coach. He is a competitor even now in the, in the Masters division. He's been a, a world champion, a Masters champion. He works with little kids, he works with big kids, he works with adults. So you pretty much run the gamut on bodies in the dojo. So thank you for coming today and being our guest. You know, Emily has seen me come back to the gym and I'm like, I'm a little bit beat up or I got like some, some mat burn on my head. It's probably from you. So now to, we can actually have you in, in, the, in the huddle here. We're, we're very grateful for your expertise. So before we start, give us a little background on, on your judo history, how you got started, how long you've been doing it and that path for you. All right, sure. Well, first, thank, thanks for having me here. Appreciate you inviting me down. Um, well, actually I started judo uh, when I was 10 years old. And it was uh, kind of just one thing, another activity that our parents, my, the kids my age, they put us in. 
you know, we were real active at, our, at the Buddhist church, Midwest Buddhist Temple, and this was another one of the programs that they had started up uh, as part of their cultural department. So, you know, we would play baseball and basketball and swimming and track meets, and then judo was just another activity that we do during the week. And uh, I, I liked it. We all liked it as kids, you know. We had a lot of fun with it, and, uh, you know, we stayed with it all the way through, you know, through high school. Uh, we had some competitions, and I had a little bit of success. Not, not a lot, not great success, but I was doing okay <laughs> as a kid. I was small, so, uh, you know, I'd get, you know, handled pretty easily with some of the bigger guys. Uh, and then back then when we were competing, and we had a lot of competitions all the way up to 16-year-olds, junior divisions, there were no weight classes like we have now. It was one age group, and it's lightweight and heavyweight. So if we go to the national championships, there's 100 kids, 50 of them are going to be lightweight, 50 are going to be heavyweight. So there's no real set weight classes. Well, I was like the lightest of the lightest <laughs> in my age group. So I was fighting bigger guys. And the option they would give you if you're one of the extreme sizes, you could drop down an age group, but you have to fight heavyweight, which didn't make sense because they were twice as heavy anyway. So it was kind of rough in my competition as a, as a kid. So uh, I didn't have a lot of success as a junior player, but I, I still enjoyed it and worked out and uh, trained uh, three days a week uh, religiously. My parents, my father wouldn't kind of not let me go. He, made, he drove me every day, made sure I, I went and tried to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> Growing up in Chicago, he didn't want me getting into much trouble. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, but then as, uh, as I got older, uh, I kept training and uh, had a little more success when I got to the senior ranks. Starting from 16 years old, I started having a little more success because now in the senior ranks, it's definitely weight classes. So it started, the lightest weight was 139 pounds at that time. Um, but I weighed about 125 pounds <laughs> going into it. So it was still a little bit rough, but it still was better than fighting 190 pound guys. <laughs> so so it, I started to have a little more success in the, in the senior ranks and uh, locally and, and regionally, I was doing you know pretty good. And then uh, I remember competing in my first national championships uh, back in 1997 uh, in St. Louis. And I was a hot shot, 16 or 17 years old, you know, 18 years old. I was 18 years old, going to my first national championships. And, um, you know, I was a brown belt. I was still a brown belt going in. In 97? Yeah, 97. Yeah, no, no, 77. 77, yeah. 1977, sorry. 1977. Sorry, sorry, yeah, 1977. That was my first senior national championship. Yeah, I was 18 years old. And uh, so I had my brown belt. And, uh, you know, I thought I was pretty hot shot. I was doing pretty good locally. My first match, my first senior national competition, I had to fight the reigning national champion, Keith Nakasone. And I didn't, you know, everyone's telling me, watch out for his Uchimata. He's got really good Uchimata. I says, okay. It's the inner thigh sweep, right? So I go out there. I go, referee says, how's your man? I walk, the, the time it took him to walk over to me was like five seconds. Boom, he threw me <laughs> with Osoto Gary. <laughs> Different throw, backwards. So I'm watching for a forward throw. He threw me backwards. I get up. Bought out, says, wow, <laughs> this is the seniors. Different game. So, uh, yeah, it was a yeah, humbling experience, rude awakening. But uh, I was determined, though, then not, says, you know, I'm not going to quit. Uh, I'm better. I know I can be better. And it was just, I think it's more of a challenge. I got to get better. So I went back to Dojo, kept working out, kept working out. So, and every year we, I continue to uh, compete nationally. And uh, every year, it was, you know, the top five players. It was, it was really tough back then because to compete in the national championships, you would have to qualify locally in the pre-nationals. They would have pre-national championships. So you have to qualify in the top three to make it to the national championship because we had, back then, we had a lot more judo players. Um, so two of the top players were from Chicago. <laughs> and then there's me. And then keep the other, you know, three or four national players were from all over the place. So I had a hard time just qualifying out of Chicago to make it. So the first time I, I qualified, I was number three <laughs> coming out of Chicago. The next year, I started to get a little bit closer, you know, to the local guys. I actually, actually, I think I beat them. So I came out of Chicago number one, and I was getting closer and closer to Keith Nakasone. Every year, I would get closer and closer. I, he still beat me, but it would take him longer. <laughs> So about, uh, I think it was about till 1980, at the uh, first Olympic trials, and uh, my first Olympic trials, that was the uh, uh, Moscow Olympics. 
it was in February of 1980. Uh, they take the top five players in each weight class. They, they flew us all into Colorado Springs and uh, you fight Ron Robin against the top five players. And of course, the number one player gets to go. So again, my first match, my first Olympic trials, Keith Nakasone. Oh, man. <laughs> and here I'm number five coming in. Oh, actually, I think I was like three, three or four at that time, ranked three or four at the time, coming in to fight Keith Nakasone. First match, I'm like, oh my God. But it was really close and I beat him. I beat him the first match. And I was like, yes, yes. I was so excited, I was so high. You know, I thought, oh, I got this, I got this. Then my next match, I lost. <laughs> you come off this big high to the next match. And so I lost my next match. And uh, I think I won two more. I lost one more and I won the rest. But uh, so he ended up beating everybody else. So he came, came in first. So I ended up like in third or something like that. But so that was my first shot at the Olympic trials. <laughs> but it turned out that was the Moscow Olympics. And the U.S., uh, we boycotted that year. Yeah, we boycotted Jimmy Carter, boycotted the Olympics. And um, so the Olympic team got to go, the judo team, instead of going to Moscow, they went to the, the White House. <laughs> they went to go see the president, which I guess that was a treat for them. But <laughs> so that's how I got started in international competition. <laughs> you said something earlier, and you're a track athlete. You know, how do you lose a race or a match and then jump back in there right away with a clear mindset? I mean, I, I'm not a track person. I, I've never competed at the level you have judo-wise. So, like that mental component, you know, I feel like that's an issue that most sports, you know, you drop a pass in football, okay, catch the next one, right? If you lost a huge match, if you won a huge match, then you lose the next one. But how do you maintain that level of, of mental toughness through good times and bad on the track or on, on, the, on the mat? I think, I, speaking for myself, as a track athlete, it's, you against other people, yes, but it's you against the clock, and you're the only one that you can blame. So um, it's a different team element to track the field. Uh, so if I blow it, well, it's my fault, and I have to figure out on the back end of that how to correct what I did wrong. Was it my start? Was it my stride? Was it, I mean, there's a multitude of different factors, but I think just because it's not a team element, it's, it's not me the athletes are really, no one else to blame but myself. So it's my two cents. <laughs> That's true though. I mean, judo is the same way. It's an individual sport. Mm -hmm. So it is tough. I mean, it's tough. You, when you're competing, it's just you and another player out there. And you touched on it before. One player's going to win, one player's going to lose. Mm -hmm. And of course, you're fighting your hardest to win, but that's not going to happen all the time. Somebody's going to lose. So it teaches you a lot of uh, humility. I mean, you know, obviously you fight hard, train hard to be successful. But, you know, if it doesn't happen, yeah, you come off the mat and there's no one else to blame. <laughs> I mean, you can blame the referee. You can blame your coach. You, but in reality, it's you. It's you. That guy was better than you. So what are you going to do, right? I think, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see you come off the mat after a loss and me come off the track after a loss. And I have a feeling my vocabulary is going to be exponentially worse than yours. And here's the thing about that. I know nothing about martial arts, but I've learned a lot just from him in terms of how I as a business owner should be applying martial arts to what I do for a living. And there's this definite sense of calmness about you got you athletes that do martial arts and here if i lose a track a, a race i'm like fuck i'm coming off the track hot and pissed and maybe there's a split second there where i'm not willing to blame myself but at the same time your your guys's approach in terms of that element it's probably a little bit different than me walking off the track after a loss yeah. <laughs> Well, there are, there's that moment yeah. when you lose, yeah. it's like, son of a... <laughs> I mean, there's anger. There's definitely <laughs> anger. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But judo does teach you self-control. I mean, you have to be control of your body, obviously, but also teach mental control. So, yeah, you kind of have to always keep that focus, that focus mm -hmm. and that control on the mat and off the mat, win or lose. And, in fact... Um, a lot of the old senseis, new sense, uh, current senseis, they, they sh talk about it, especially like the Japanese players. When they're in Shohei Ono, current Japanese cha champion at 81, uh, 73 kilos. 
this guy's winning everything. This is he's on. His, this would have been his third Olympics and shoot for his third. Uh, I think I think third gold medal. Um, but he wins a match. He loses a match. You can't tell the difference, man. He'll win and he gets up like, like he just got thrown. Like he's pissed off that he maybe because he didn't execute the throw properly or you know or just just a matter of fact that that was supposed to happen and, and he walks right off. Yeah, no emotions. It's like. Okay, he just won an Olympic gold medal, world championships in 2019, won a world championship. Didn't even crack a smile. Didn't, no fuss, fist pump, no, nothing. Just throws, fixes gi, bows out, walks out the net. Like, okay, business as usual. Yeah. <laughs> now that's control. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's some so. serious uh, discipline and self-control. There is like the element of acting like you've been there before, which I, you know, I, I get that. But if, you know, if you've never been there before, how do you know what to do, right? So <laughs> you mentioned, you know, using colorful language after a bad run or <laughs> I think that it helps to say it on the inside but not like on the outside you know I if I strike out the base is loaded I'm definitely gonna be in a foul mood and I'm walking from the batter's box to the dugout and I may excuse myself at the clubhouse to yell some some also colorful language but I think the difference is like doing it outside like so everyone can hear me or privately you know it's how you carry yourself is, is, is important that way, especially like kids are watching or, you know, if you are a professional athlete, like there's a certain expectation that your behavior should be like admirable in, in some ways. And I feel like some of the, the martial art philosophy, the spirit of that is, is lost in team sports. I guess not the bad behavior is acceptable, but you just see more blowups that way that are on the news. Or, oh, well, you saw ex athlete, you know, breaking bats and kicking coolers and you know, throwing helmets and stuff like that, which, doesn't really set a good example for the kids, but how does, I'd like to hear more about the, the, the two judo principles. You mentioned like martial art philosophy in your life. These are two judo concepts that I think are awesome for you, for me, for, for the whole world. So learn something. Yeah. <laughs> Sensei Doug, please. So, <laughs> so, you know, funny you should bring that up. We've always been taught there's two, two principles of judo, you know, maximum efficiency with minimum effort and mutual welfare and benefit for all. Um, but I just, I just started taking this IGF Academy course, undergraduate course in judo, right? And right now we're just going through the culture of judo. And they're explaining about, you know, judo, the, the translation of judo and the philosophies. There's actually three. There's three. Third. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we've always focused on the two. But the first philosophy that I just learned is ju. Uh, it's, it's just... Uh, we, we, well, we, we translate that as uh, gentleness, softness, but they interpret it as adaptation, hmm. which makes a lot of sense. That's what judo is, right? It's the softness, the, the ability to adjust, to adapt yourself and, you know, be fluid when you're confronting something or being confronted by something. You have to adapt to overcome that obstacle. And that's judo, the principle of judo. Right? And, and that's a, a main philosophy of judo, right? You don't just, when you're confronted with something, you don't just go head on into it and, and fight it head on. I mean, that's not, that's not a good use of energy, right? I mean, if I go head on against a big guy like you, I'll get crushed. <laughs> but I gotta find a way to maneuver around it and adapt, okay? And that adaptation also uh, using uh, maximum efficiency with minimum effort, using your energy, your forces, and your momentum to my advantage taking advantage of the second principle of judo. And then also, then the third principle comes the, the, the respect and the, the working together, the mutual welfare benefit. So we all benefit together, we grow together, uh, and we all get better and stronger together. Uh, so th those three principles, and they come to play, and they're very applicable to daily life, into oh, business, for I sure. already thinking it. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, yep, you gotta adapt, yep, you gotta work hard and be efficient. Especially nowadays, yeah. under the conditions that we're living under now, yeah. if you don't adapt, boy, you're gonna. It's all chaos. Yeah, and yeah, then everyone gonna, panics. Yes, you're gonna be very, <laughs> very difficult to succeed or, or to survive. Nowadays, it's gonna be very difficult to, to survive. So I think the principles of judo are very applicable to daily life. And, and Sensei Kano, that was his whole philosophy of judo: is to not just to make a champion; it was to make a better person for the community, okay? So you can make a, uh, a person who um, can contribute to society. And he was an educator, uh, and those were his principles in, of judo. Mm -hmm. oh. So, <clears throat> it's funny, because 
from a team sports background, this is something we've talked about before. Maximum efficiency with minimal effort. I always had a hard time with the minimal effort part. And because usually if you're not trying hard, if, I, if I'm perceiving that to mean not trying hard and I'm not trying hard on the field, I'm usually on the bench or I'm usually cut from the team. So how does that minimal effort apply to, how can it be explained in a way that applies more to, because it's not, you're not, you're not, not trying, but could you sort of elaborate on how that would be better explained or not sort of better understood by me at least? Actually, actually, probably a better word to use is uh, more efficient use of energy. You know, so instead of using not necessarily minimal effort, but efficient use of your power, your energy, your speed, your you know, whatever you have, make the most of it. Right? right? I mean, you're not going to sit back in judo matches. We're not going to just sit back and just use you know very minimal effort. I mean, you're, we're fighting hard, but it's fighting smart and being efficient in our movements. Okay? I mean, they're going to be hard, strong movements, but try to make it more efficient. Okay? So instead of, like I said, instead of trying to, you're coming forward at me, trying to throw me backwards, instead of me trying to fight back and push you back, I just, I'll go backwards. <laughs> and uh, I'll use your force and my force. And hopefully I'll have success doing that. <laughs> so you're taking me in the direction that I'm going faster than I expected to get there. Exactly. Or, it, in another sense, for me, well, my philosophy has always been, I'll never let you get set. That's why when I fight bigger guys or smaller guys, I'm constantly moving. I'm always constantly moving so they can't lock me down and you know control me. Yeah. So if I can continue to move and outmaneuver you, that's a more efficient use of my energy than it is trying to grab you and move you. Physically, just pick you up and muscle you and try to move you. But if I can just keep maneuvering and running to make you move with me, yeah, that's a much more efficient use of my power. It's interesting because from a football standpoint, you know, you say if a big guy and a little guy are smashing, like that's, that's kind of what football is, <laughs> right? So from a mindset standpoint, I thought, oh, well, you, there's an obstacle, you go through it, <laughs> which probably is okay for a small time, but if you're trying to run through brick walls all your life, you are going to find one that doesn't yield after a while, and your headache is probably going to be very... <laughs> very much approach, appro appropriate for the effort you're putting into it. And like you can go around the wall, right? There's ways around the wall besides just going through it. And we've talked about like having a more efficient plan with like how we train clients and you know, more is not always better. So if you can organize your day or have a 43 minute workout instead of 80 minute workout, right? And like having that efficiency, because I think that that is one core concept of judo is just moving our bodies with, with efficiency. We're not wasting, we're not doing things with our body that's stupid and getting fatigue us. We're trying to be collected and calm and, and be able to step with purpose and move with purpose. And that's something that we could all do better with. Yeah, I mean, applying that to the, I'm going from training perspective here yeah. versus the client load perspective because we both know how that is. But nonetheless, do athletes need to be doing four to five sets of 10 deadlifts per set anymore? No. Less is more concept. Figure out how to build your foundation, make sure that they understand the movement, and then execute it in minimal ways in order to build their efficiency for the uh, long term, I guess. Right. So that's a really interesting perspective. And then from the sense of business, yeah, same is true. I, I think um, over the years, you and I have definitely put a lot of hours on our brains and legs in terms of training clients and to your point, getting to a place where I don't, minimal effort, I, I, I hear that differently because I hear minimal effort and as someone's leader or someone's boss, I think, no, we still want to put in a solid amount of effort to get the maximum gain from somebody who is trying to build a book, for instance. Right. So, how could that be applied from a business standpoint of say a new trainer comes into the gym they have no book but they have this mindset that they want to make a lot of money <laughs> they don't want to work very hard <laughs> they they hear minimal effort differently than we do <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah i see that too too well even in judo players and athletes too i mean mm -hmm. and I, it's i don't want to like stereotype anybody but there seems to be a trend that 
athletes, they come in and they want to be Olympians. Everybody wants to be an Olympian. They think sure. they can be an Olympian. They're told they can be an Olympian. And, and they, it's true, they can. But there's no shortcuts. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to have to work your ass off and commit every minute of your day and your life to being that Olympian. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why there's not everybody's an Olympian because you can't, not everybody can do that. I mean, you can say you were going to do it, but really when it comes down to actually getting yourself out of bed to go do it, it it's hard. Yeah, on a, yeah, you can do it once or twice. Yeah. yeah. You're talking seven days a week for years and years and years of your life to yeah. make it that. And that's what the Olympians do. Uh, that's what, especially the gold medal winners, man. They, they're out there training. That's their whole life mm -hmm. is the Olympics. That's why this, you know, the, this year's Olympics being postponed to next year. Wow, that's gonna be devastating for those Olympians. Uh, they, they set their years planning for this year. For this year, they sent, spent the last three, four years since the last Olympics setting their training schedule. Their life was revolving around everything to make it. August of 2021, 20 or July of 2020, and now they gotta restructure that to make it mm -hmm. to 2021, maybe, maybe 2021. Talk about changing your mindset. Wow, right? Or that adaptation, mm -hmm. for that matter. Yep, yep. They they put their whole life on hold for that moment, yep. and uh, now they gotta put it on hold for another year, if if it's possible. Yeah, and, yeah. and some some people, it may not be possible. I mean, they're. The timing was perfect for this year for them. Their age and their maturity and their body was perfect. This was the time thing. And now they got to prolong it another year. Ooh, it's going to be very difficult for some of those guys. You know, maybe for some it might be better. The younger ones, it might actually be better for them. They might get a better shot at it. Right. But uh, some of the experienced older athletes, it's going to be tough on them. Yeah, I feel, I feel bad for them. Yeah. You just were recently, again, a World Masters champion. Am I saying that? Uh, yeah, well, now they call them veterans. Excuse me. There's veterans uh, world championships, yeah. Which was where? It was in uh, uh, Morocco. Morocco. Marrakesh. So you're still kicking people's asses across the board, whether they're young or, or older. How do you keep your game at a high level I come, internationally? I come on your mark, too. Oh, nice. <laughs> Boom. Here it is. Boom. There we go. Right. There it is. Knocked it out of the park. There it is. <laughs> So how was your well, game? Well, we can leave now. Yeah. <laughs> that was a commercial thing. Right? <laughs> well, how has your game evolved over the years? Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm a lot older now. So I, mean, I try to stay in, in good shape. I, I try to keep in good shape. Uh, I can work out with you. You help me a lot tremendously. But uh, I, I also try to train smarter, work out smarter. My, I, mean, I have some injuries that in my body. I can't do some of the things I used to do. So I have to be smart about it. And even during our workouts at the club, you know, I used to be able to go every round, you know, 10 rounds go, go, go. Well, I, I can't do that. <laughs> I can go, when I'm in shape, I'll go two or three rounds, then I got to rest, you know? And like now when I'm starting to build up again, I'll go one round and I'll rest. <laughs> I'll go next round and then I'll rest. And, you know, and I try to keep building up on that. Actually, now it's probably go one round and rest three. Go <laughs> when we head back, yeah, it'll be that. And slowly figure out, go one round, rest two. <laughs> and slowly build it up to where I can go, you know, train smarter. Uh, fortunately, you know, with the veterans, we have age brackets now. So, you know, you fight uh, older people. My group is older people. <laughs> but it's a five-year increment and, and, and the weight classes. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, still, uh, it's still very, very challenging and competitive, um, you know, a lot of the younger athletes, they think the masters or veterans, yeah, that's just a bunch of old guys out there playing. I tell you, there are some tough, tough fighters out there in, in the world, in judo. In the U.S., you know, judo is not that popular, but everywhere else in the world, I mean, judo is the number one individual practice sport in the world. So it's not very popular here in the United States, so most people don't even know about judo. You, you tell me you practice judo, they say, oh, really? How many boards can you break? How high can you get? Judo chop. Yeah, let me show me your judo chop. <laughs> like, Come on, man. <laughs> but uh, in the world, there's judo everywhere, everywhere. So even in my group, I'm an M7, which is 60 to 64. I had, in, in the latest, uh, 66 kilos, 145 pounds. I had uh, 13, 13 competitors in my division last year, which was, you know, I was kind of surprised. There, there's still quite a few old guys out there fighting, <laughs> still competing. So, and they're tough. I mean, you know, they take 
you know, take it really serious, just as serious as I do, and they all want to win. I mean, become even our, our elder age, we still want to be champions. <laughs> and you know that thing about having self-control? Yeah, judo's a mental game, too. It's a physical game, but it takes a lot of mental focus and, and discipline. And you never want to show weakness, just, just like any other sport, too, right? You got to show that mental toughness. So when you're out there, you got to be focused on beating your opponent. You can't let a distraction, a bad call, throw you off your game and break a bat or something. Because that, you know, you show a weakness out, you complain to the referee in the middle of a match. I see that when a player does yeah. that. I'm like, yeah, I got you. You're, you're not focused on me. You're worried about everything else. I'm going to throw you. I will throw you now. <laughs> okay. And you could tell when they're taking their time, tying their belt or, you know, this injury hurts or that injury hurts. Okay, good. <laughs> I got you. I know. <laughs> So the idea is, you know, you don't want to show any weakness, no chink in the armor, right? You gotta keep that straight face going. And even after the match, you gotta act respectful and with dignity and, and you know, respect your partner. Cause you know, I know what it's like to be on the other side losing. So I don't want to have someone cheering up in my face, you know? So I try to go and act. When I throw somebody, choke them, pin them, whatever, win a match, I go over there, shake hands and treat them with just as much respect. But I tell you what, when I didn't win the world championships, I did give a little arm raise. <laughs> that was a little different <laughs> for me, anyways. I, I couldn't hold that one in. <laughs> so there's a lot of suffering in judo. A lot of like rounding away, pinning, throwing, hit the ground, getting back up. There's a lot of suffering in marathon training and Ironman too. How did you keep your mental toughness at a high level during going through that miserable process? If you don't mind me saying so. Well, I I wasn't practicing judo. That's for sure. Um. I don't know. I guess you just I think there's a piece of it that just becomes a part of your day to day. And it's like, okay, this is I know this is what I have to do today. I have the mindset to accomplish it. I got to get the work done. This is what I signed up for. This is what I want to do. Um, does that necessarily take the uh, pain away from a hundred mile ride followed by a, you know, 15, 20 mile training run? No. But I think there's a sense of you got to take ownership of your choices. And if you want to be that athlete, then be that athlete and don't bitch about it. Yeah, is it going to suck? Absolutely. But what's the reward in the end? I know what my long-term goal is and I want to get to that place. So that's really the, what fuels the uh, willingness to continue to push. In the process, right? Like I need to fit. I'm, training for October for the Chicago Marathon, even though it's May, right? Like, how do you stay focused? I, I don't like to run, you know that. We, you made me run twice last year and I'm still pissed at you for <laughs> making me do it. You know, so I guess from a, from a mental energy standpoint, every step I took during those two runs we did, I was already thinking about hot dogs later or pizza later. <laughs> how do you stay locked into a, you know, a process of a hundred mile run, 100 mile run? You said ride, sorry, like a, ride, yeah. a 20 mile run or after a hundred mile ride, how does, how does that stay? How do you get your ass up for that? Well, again, because there's something at the, that the there's something you're trying to accomplish. You know, you set yourself up for this journey. You want to accomplish it, and I think that there's a sense of runners are a little weird. There's that's for sure, especially when you're training for long course. Like there's got to be something, some masochist side of you that really thoroughly enjoys this, and it's true. And there is that whole runner's high component. You know, but it's not really that much different from you play baseball. What there's 488 games in a season. But, I mean, well, that seems like a lot. So, <laughs> in a big league season, there's 162. 162 like games in a season. I mean, that's that's crazy. How do you how do you keep yourself ready on any given day to sit in that catcher's position day in and day out? No offense, I'd rather run 26 miles than getting that up. <laughs> crouched position for nine innings plus multiple times during the week. But I think it's just, it's a mind, it's a mindset. You put yourself in a position to succeed. Um, yes, there's going to be bad days, but I also think you use that as fuel to get better. You learn from, okay, I had a shitty run. Okay, what did I do wrong? I'm gonna learn from it, I'm gonna take something from it so that I don't have that same experience. But I think those moments are also important as in, for an athlete to have shitty experiences because essentially, uh, it's setting you up to get that much mentally stronger and physically stronger. God forbid you show up to the start line, you have a shitty run and you weren't ready for it. It's part of the game. 
I kind of agree with that. I mean, the I wouldn't do marathons. I, I have tremendous respect for anybody who does a marathon or, or uh, Ironman or. Well, you don't or, see me tossing you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, I, I guess I don't know what makes people choose what sport they get into, know. but when, when they do, I think it's really you're right. It's a mindset. They they want to do it. They love it. I think there's, there has to be a love for it too. You have to love it, even though it doesn't seem like it sometimes. When, I'm sure when you're in the middle of running on those shitty days <laughs> in judo, there's those days when we're like, oh my God, I'm just, I don't want to be there today. I'm tired. <laughs> but we did. It also makes you feel a little human to hurt a little bit. You know, it's like life isn't always puppies and rainbows. <laughs> like we're engineered to be able to sustain shit that doesn't always feel good. It's, it's a part of development as an athlete. Yeah. I mean, any point of life, you know, business, any reality. Or people would ask me when I used to work my other job before I was doing judo full time, I would go to work, go to the office, and I'm limping. <laughs> my arm hurts, my shoulder hurts. Says, why do you do that? They ask me, why do you do that? Or they just look at me as it's judo again, right? Says, yeah, well, yeah. He asked me that this morning. Yeah? Yeah, I was over here, like, doing some stuff. He's like, is your body hurt? First of all, you always assume my body hurts, which it did. I was like, yeah, I, I, I did go for a run yesterday. I am not 20 anymore. <laughs> but you love it, though, right? But I love it. I love, it. <laughs> I love pizza. Yeah. I, I eat it all the time. But um, one thing Emily always says is that she had not really experienced the weight room until she was in college. And her biceps were sort of forged genetically. <laughs> and from you know, grabbing a few dumbbells and doing as many as she could. But when did you start... Obviously, judo has a lot of push point in terms of with your opponents. So you build a base level of strength just from pushing humans around, pulling humans around. But when was the first time you ever had like a structured weight room experience? So when I was growing up, I had you know my my sense of it was old school. My judo sense was old school, and it wasn't about uh, it wasn't really scientific. It wasn't weight room training. It was just go practice harder. Go work out with more people, more push-ups, more sit-ups, just basic exercises. Nothing fancy, nothing fancy, just basic physical exercise. And he never said go to the weight room, go lift weights or anything like that. So it wasn't until I got to college when uh, I, it was just a, a PE class. And I said, oh, this is an easy class. I'm going to take a weightlifting class. <laughs> it's going to be easy. <laughs> I just wanted a credit. <laughs> on an easy A credit, right? And uh, so, yeah, it was just a basic weightlifting class. And university was teaching how to lift properly in good form and all. So that was really my first time I actually did any regular weightlifting. I, I wouldn't even call it serious. But it was just regular weightlifting class, learning how to the proper techniques. Okay? But they weren't pushing you like to max out or anything like that or they put you on any kind of uh, strict you know structured course or anything just this is how you use these ways this is how you do that okay and then the rest i met i was able to meet one of the guys in there who was pretty big into weightlifting and so he kind of helped help me out a little bit but that was about the most uh training i i had in any kind of structured training in weightlifting but uh when i went to japan uh Right, right around the 1979. Yeah, I just turned 20 years old. And I went to Japan, my, my parents sent me to Japan to go train, and, and you know, and I had no idea, I had never been out of the country before. Oh, I think I was in Mexico. <laughs> but I just turned 20, and my parents said, yeah, my dad said, you need to get more training. He talked to the other senseis, and they all agreed. Yeah, you, you know, you're doing better, you're getting better, stronger, but you're not there yet. We're, you need to go train and get more judo. Like, yeah, okay, I'll still care back, whatever. I, I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue. So my dad said, send you to Japan. Yeah. Okay, that sounds like that sounds like fun. Okay, let's go. And so I had no clue, no idea what I was getting myself into. Not at all. I didn't know anything about it. And uh, the funny thing was that I, I just, I injured my collarbone like a month before that. And I separated my collarbone. So I had not been practicing for, you know, a few weeks about a month and uh i just started to get back on the mat maybe two weeks and i was not in that great shape you know i was, I was young but still not in that great shape but i went to japan and i was like whoa i want a plane right there it, that's that's when it hit me it's like i'm going halfway around the world i don't know anybody here i can't speak japanese <laughs> my parents are back home what am i gonna do <laughs> I did have some friends that lived in Chicago that met me at the airport, and I had some relatives there that I never knew before. 
that I stayed with them for the first week and then kind of got me adjusted to Tokyo. But I was like, when I was there, I was in, I was a shell shock. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't talk to anybody. I don't even know what that's like. I can't communicate to anybody. I started to panic. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? Then I settled down. Then my uncle took me to Kokushan University. I was on a train and he lived about 40 minutes, maybe it was about an hour train ride, taking two, three different trains to get to Kokushan University. And I would go practice there. And that was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's judo. This was like a varsity sport. It's like football or college football, or college, you know, basketball. It's, it's huge in Japan, right? And these, there's 100 kids, college kids, all black belts, all from 20, from 18 to 22 years old, tough as nails, and they were just killing me. I mean, <laughs> killing me. I, you know, it's at their, they practice every day, and their normal practice was three hours, from like uh, three in the afternoon to six. And I was like, three hours? Are you kidding me? I never worked out three hours before. I couldn't even make it through the, the, the first half hour of class. Just the warm-ups and exercises and the uchikomis, 100 uchikomis. And, and I was dying through that. And then we did Newaza, mat work, penny, right? They did 15 rounds. I made it through three. <laughs> I was like, God. What happened to that minimal work concept? Oh, my God. <laughs> they got a higher bar. <laughs> That's what everybody else yeah. and, and that was old school, too. <laughs> and so and, and it wasn't even three minutes of, like, aggressive, like, attacking. It was three minutes of pushing them off and running away. Defense, just trying and just getting up and getting get away. Yeah. Then they finish and then come off to the side and I have to sit. And nobody sits. Nobody sits on the side. All 100 guys are out there working except me. I'm like, I, I can't breathe. I can't move. Then I go out there a couple rounds later and do a couple of moves. It was humiliating. It was humiliating that they wouldn't. And, and then we would get into the standing, the, the stand-up workout, the randoris. And that same thing. I just, bam, thrown, thrown, thrown. I get up. It was exhausting just getting up so many times. <laughs> get thrown. I could get thrown all day long, but getting up was killer. <laughs> it was brutal. And I, it took me about a month before I could actually stand on my feet through the whole class. About a month. And uh, and then I was so weak, by their standards, I was so weak that they wouldn't even work out with me. I was this weak American. I go walk, try to go get a partner. They kind of walk away from me because I was just too weak for them. I wasn't even up to their standards. So I had to literally go grab guys. And, and make them work out with me. And uh, once yeah. you come in there as a national champion, though, you, uh, I was up getting yeah. up there. Uh, I, so you're a high-ranked American, yeah, showing up in Japan, and you would. You know, I was, I was okay. You know, I, was, I thought I was a hot shot. You know, I was pretty good locally. I was winning, <laughs> and uh, I had won like the Junior Olympics and stuff like that. But I went over there. It was like a different world. Oh my god! <laughs> but it it pissed me off because they wouldn't work out with me. They treated me like this weak. I was, I was a weak American, <laughs> but it pissed me off. And I said, man, I, I know I'm better than this. I, I can do better than this. I'm coming off injury, that's why I'm out of shape. But you know, I couldn't even explain that to them because I couldn't speak the language. So I just made up my mind then, says, screw it, I'm here. I mean, I did want to get on the plane and come home, <laughs> but I only had my ticket was until later. So I was like, ah, oh, man, I didn't want to face that humility of giving up. So I just made up my mind and says, said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick it out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. And not till, that was uh, June. By end of July, I was able to stand on my feet. I could make it through the three-hour workout. Okay, I made it. I, I didn't throw anybody. I didn't pin anybody. But I stood up every time. <laughs> and then school's out for the summer. July, I think it was July. End of July, they said, oh, we're going to have summer camp. So I'm like, oh, good, summer camp. We're gonna go swimming. We're gonna go to the beach. We're gonna horseback riding. Whatever. Summer camp. Heck no, man. It was more judo. Oh, we did. I mean, we always did our training, you know, physical training, running, and exercises out in the field every morning. So now we did met it in the field in the morning, but it was hour and a half, hour forty five minutes of running, and they went to a further park. So I had to keep up with them because I didn't know where we were going. <laughs> they were running faster. Oh my God. And they split us up. They put the lightweights over here and the heavyweights over there. And of course, the lightweights were fast. So I'm like, oh my God. I'll try to keep up with them. We finished. We come back. Then we go get our judo gi. And we go to, straight to the dojo for three, three hours of uh, Niwaza. Just Niwaza practice. Ground fighting. Ground fighting. Network. 
And I was like, how can you do that? I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Man, it was. Then we'd break for lunch. And after the first day, I just laid in the bed and they said, oh, we have to go eat. I, said, I don't want to go eat. I can't. I'm too tired. <laughs> they made me come down to the cafeteria and we ate. And then we got a break. Then we came back in the afternoon at 3 o'clock for more judo. And it wasn't three hours, now it was like four hours. So I'm like, oh my God. Summer camp? Summer camp. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I don't think this is fun. This is not summer camp. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you know, I thought, you know, we were doing 10 rounds, uh, uh, 10 rounds of workout, run duty, free practice. Now we're up to 20 rounds. I'm like, oh my God, I, I, I just got, I just made it to 10. Now you want to do 20? You guys are crazy. <laughs> but I made it, I survived. Somehow I survived. And two weeks of that, then we had break. Okay, so all the kids went back home to their homes, and I didn't have a home to go to, so <laughs> I went to my uncle's place. But uh, I would go to the Kodokan and work out at the Kodokan, the world headquarters of Judo, right? And you know, everybody in Judo knows the Kodokan, and everybody wants to go to the Kodokan to work out. And it's more like an open gym, it's not like a structured workout. You go work out as, if you find a partner who wants to work out, work out. If you don't, you don't. Okay, so it's really self-paced, but it's the honor of being at the headquarters of judo. Right? It's like the Yankee Stadium of judo, right? It's like yeah, yeah, right. It's special. So I went there, and there was internet, a lot of international players, some Japanese businessmen there. You know, not none of the college kids; they all went home. Uh, a few were there, some high school kids, and uh, I was actually able to work out. And I actually got to throw somebody. The first time in like two months, I threw somebody. <laughs> I was like. Wow, I can throw somebody. Did you celebrate Dakota Con? Oh, yeah. <laughs> American. Yeah. <laughs> and so I finally got to get some throws in. I'm like, yeah, I can. I, I can do this. Not everybody in Japan is like superhuman. That's too much wrong. So I got a little confidence back, a little bit of confidence back. And I stayed a little in shape. And I got to see some, made some international friends. Some of my American friends were there too. So all that suffering. Like paid off. Paid know? off, yeah. So it wasn't just puppies and rainbows, like you said. Right. <laughs> I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> but then, so the two weeks or three weeks were up. We go back to university. Another camp. I'm like, oh no, not this again. <laughs> but I was prepared this time. So those guys didn't do anything for three weeks, but I stayed in a little bit of shape. So we came back and we did one week of that hard camp. And it was tough. It was kind of tough. And I was getting back like, oh, crap, I can't throw anybody again. <laughs> getting beat up again. But then at the end of that week, we had a tournament, like an interclub tournament, just with college kids. And so I had a lot more tournament experience than a lot of those players there. Because they, they train hard, but they don't, a lot of them don't get to compete, like on a regular basis. Here, we, got to, we didn't do a lot of training. We got to compete. <laughs> so some of the tougher guys... Uh, I actually beat one of the tougher guys in, in competition. And uh, some of the younger, the first freshmen, they were, so in Japan, they got this hierarchy system, this senpai kohai. So each dormitory room, they have a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, and a senior, okay? And, and every room has that. And the lower you are, the more of a slave you are. <laughs> so the freshmen, they're like dirt, they're dirt. They're, they got to clean the room, carry the judo gis, do all the slave work, all the you know grunt work, and go fetch beer, go fetch food, whatever whatever the older elder guys want. So I, I beat one of the second year students, who was pretty tough in the tournament, and the, all the freshmen were all pissed off at me. It's, oh, how come you beat my son? How'd you beat my son? I don't know. <laughs> you, you don't think it's fair? You guys have been kicking my ass for three months now. I get one throw in, and now you guys are holding it against me. <laughs> come on, man. But so what I didn't understand why they were so upset was the next week we went to train at different universities and we had team matches against the different universities. But because I beat this guy, he got lowered down on the team. And I didn't take his place on the first team, but I got I made the second team. So I think he got taken off the first team and put on the second team. So that's why they were pissed off at me, because I kind of knocked them off the team a little bit. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> but we went to different universities. I think one of them was Scuba University and Nitai Dai. And then uh, we had team matches. So I was on a B team. Was like, okay, they put me on a B team. I thought it was pretty cool. And I went and fought some guy little short guy like a fireplug. I was like, oh my God, this guy is stocky and strong. And we're going and we're fighting and he throws me and he knocks me out for half a point. I'm like, son of a gun. And then 
I kind of look back at the team and they're, they're like, yeah, yeah, that, we knew that was going to happen. And I got pissed off. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm better than that. I know I can throw this guy. So we're fighting, fighting, fighting. And I, I foot swept him. I caught him in his feet, went flying air. Boom, I threw him for a full point. And I won the match. And they were all surprised. They got, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and from that point on, from that point on, I started to get the respect. They actually kind of accepted me. And then, yeah. And then we had to work out after. Which took how long? Oh, yeah, three months. <laughs> got to earn that stuff. Got to earn it. Got to earn it. So, yeah. And then when we went back to the dojo for practice, they would actually ask me to work out now. It wasn't me always grabbing, grabbing them, grabbing them. So I got, I, that was kind of like a reward for me. That was, that was a turning point of my stay. Then it, everything changed for me. It wasn't like, ah, crap, I want to go home, man. These guys don't like me here. <laughs> I don't have any friends here. <laughs> They're just kicking my ass. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> but after that, it, was, it turned. They accepted me a little more. I actually got to go drinking with them. <laughs> Seems like suffering is a component of achievement, whether it's on the track or on the path or on the bike or in a marathon or in Ironman or on the judo mats. you got to deal with the shitty days to reap the rewards of the good days. So somebody said about having that endurance to outlast people, right? Like if you lose your first two, it's like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm going home. Hold on, man. Like, wait till, wait a week, wait a month, wait another year, see how you do. And that's, that sort of stick to it and it seems to be missing from a lot of people these days because push a button on your phone, order food, it's there in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like we have no attention span to put in that kind of work. Mm-hmm. So I applaud the process of people that are high achievers and put that work in. Yeah. It takes a lot of mental toughness. Yeah. A lot of mental toughness. Awesome. awesome. Thanks for coming today and like giving us your, your <laughs> fucking awesome stories. So okay. thank you for being a part of our huddle. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can find you. Doug Tono at Tokon Judo Academy, 4427 North Clark in Chicago's Uptown neighborhood. Cool. Thank you, guys. Thank Thanks, you Doug. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome, man. I'm going to give you a hug. Thanks for listening to Inside the Huddle. Make sure to tune in again next week.